Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. The life of David is one of the most fascinating lives to study in the Old Testament. David was a man that the Bible says was after, a man after God's own heart. The Bible literally talks about David as being one of the most spiritual men in the Old Testament. But you know, as we come to the 51st Psalm, before we dive into the, some of these verses, I want to share with you a little bit of the historical background. That is, where this passage, the setting is laid. If you got your Bibles and you want to take notes, you don't need to turn there, but 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 2 Samuel chapter 12 is the historical background to this psalm. You say, well, how do you know that, Brother Brian? Well, I'm glad you asked, because if you look before verse number one, it's called the superscription of the psalm. That is, the, these are words that even though it's not verse one, we believe that this part of the psalm is it was in the originals and it is therefore preserved. And we believe this is actual scripture. So it says before verse one, it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David. So David is writing Psalm 51. And then it says when Nathan, the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. You know, it's interesting when we think about David, we think about a man who was just out in the, in, the, in the fields tending the sheep. And then God had a massive plan for this little old 17 year old lad. He would come in and he would take five stones and he would go and use one of those stones with a slingshot to slay the giant of Gath, the, the Philistine that all the people of Israel were afraid to stand up against. David would be used by God to play and serenade King Saul, even though Saul was throwing daggers at him. Could you imagine playing an instrument before the king or going into the Oval Office of the United States of America and serenading the president with a musical instrument and the next thing you know, a knife is being thrown at you. That's what David went through. But eventually Saul came to an end of his kingship and David becomes king. And the Bible talks about how great of a man David was. And he was. He was the leader of the entire nation of Israel, God's chosen people. But as we read Psalm 51, as we read 2 Samuel chapter 11 and, and chapter 12, here's, here's what we have to take note of, is that no matter how great or small you are, you can still sin against God. No matter how great or small you are, whenever you let your guard down, you can still fall to the temptations of the devil. Today, I want to share with you seven signs we need revival. Seven signs we need revival. We're gearing up for revival next week. And I want you to know that, that David, a man after God's own heart, I believe that Psalm 51 is a prayer of revival from David's heart to God. Look at verse 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew. This word renew gives a similar connotation of revival. To be revived, it means literally to be awakened and made alive again. And I submit to you today that if there's any been any time in church history that the church as a whole needs to be awakened by the Spirit of God, it is now. Amen. Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
and renew a right spirit within me. You know the story of David and Bathsheba. David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 was supposed to go off to battle with all the rest of the kings, but he stayed back at home. And may I say this, whenever we're not where we're supposed to be, we will do things that we never thought we would do to begin with. And here, David ended up falling into temptation. He saw this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman taking a bath on top of a roof. And so he sent for her. And then he slept with her and she was with child. And then he decided he was going to try to cover all this up and bring Uriah back home from battle and say, hey, you've been doing a great job in, in, in the middle of the war. So why don't you take a night with your wife and enjoy her presence? Well, he decided not to go home. And then David was furious and he sent Uriah to the very, very front of the battle to die. The last verse in 2 Samuel chapter 11 says that what David did displeased the Lord. Here's a key statement I want to share with you. Revival is seeking to please God in everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. Revival is seeking to please God in everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. So if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with that statement. Revival is seeking to please God in everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. Seven signs you need revival. I'm just going to run through these as brief as possible. But keep in mind, David's prayer is creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He sinned against God and he was in need of revival. The modern church has sinned against God and we need revival. Here's what I wrote down. When your prayer closet has cobwebs and your Bible is dusty, you need revival. When your prayer closet has cobwebs and your Bible is dusty, you need revival. Have you ever noticed when you just listen to preachers preach, the majority of the time they do not open up God's word? Well, I don't know about you, but when I hear somebody preach or teach in Sunday school or whatever, I want them to take God's word and tell me about God's word. And here, I believe that David, there was a time in his life when he was meditating in the scriptures and he was spending time with God in prayer, but then he began to slip just a little here and just a little there and just a little bit here and just a little bit there. And eventually, the next thing you know, he is sleeping with somebody else's wife. I like what James said. He said in James chapter 5, he, he, James begins to look back at, at to the life of Elijah, that, that powerhouse of a prophet and the man who called down fire from heaven and God sent the fire. We see that he prayed earnestly that it, that it would not rain. And then he prayed again that it would rain and God sent down the rain. And the, in the same context, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How's your prayer closet? Do you have callous knees from praying? Or if we were to open up that prayer closet, would there be cobwebs from the top to the bottom? How's that Bible? Is that Bible a little dusty from, from watching Netflix all the time or cable TV? Are you spending time in the Word of God, church? Acts 17, 11 talks about the Bereans and how they were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica. And that they searched the scriptures to see whether those things were so. Far too many times we trust the Sunday school teacher's word. Far too many times we trust the pastor's word. Far too many times we trust other people's word instead of opening up God's word for ourselves. 
As a 16-year-old young man, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I began to really seriously study God's Word for the very first time for myself. And, and listen, it, it, it changed my life because there's one thing from hearing somebody talk about Daniel and the lion's den or King David and slaying the, the, the giant of Gath, but and then another thing, when you open it up and you read it for yourself, man, I'm telling you, when you read the Bible for itself, it'll just come to life. I'm telling you, it's far greater than going to the movies and watching some movie on the screen because God will show you His Word. When your prayer closet has cobwebs and your Bible is dusty, listen, man, you need revival. I wrote down secondly, when you make excuses to miss church, you need revival. When you make excuses to miss church, you need revival. David was supposed to be in battle, raging war against these other kingdoms. And instead, David was at his house, his big old palace, living it up, as they say. You know, I know we have Sunday school at 10 a.m. I know we have Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. And I know we have Sunday evening service at 6 p.m. I know we have Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting at 7 p.m. I know that. And I know that, that it can be a little challenging getting to all those things. And I know we have other ministries, but you know what's interesting? The early church, they met with each other every single day. The modern church today says, well, we got two services on Sunday and we preach the same sermon and the same songs in both of them. You know, it's, it's humorous to me. We say, well, I've got a little toe ache, so I can't come to church this Sunday. I've got a I've got to go, go do this, and I've got to go do that. You know, it's so funny, man. You know, somebody was too sick to come to church on Sunday, but they were not too sick to go to Walmart Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense to me, man. If we say we love Jesus, then why aren't we spending time fellowshipping with God's people around God's Word on a daily basis? Acts chapter 5 is that chapter where Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead by the judgment of God. And then they, the disciples, they go out and they preach God's word. And then the very, very last section, we see that they were held captive by these leaders. And they said they were, they were giving God the glory because they were willing God allow them to suffer shame for his name. And the Bible says that daily and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Today, it's a sobering reminder that when we make excuses to miss worship services, we simply need revival. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. The Bible says that Jesus is coming soon. The Bible says that we need to meet together on a daily basis. We need to get together. We're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to encourage each other and sharpen each other. But instead, I'm afraid the modern church, instead of sharpening each other, we are executing each other with our words. Instead of building each other up, we are tearing each other down. Seven signs you need revival. When your prayer closet has cobwebs and your Bible is dusty, you need revival. Remember what David prayed. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When you make excuses to miss church, you need revival. Here's what I wrote down thirdly. When you've lost your passion for the things of God, you need revival. When you've lost your passion for the things of God, you need revival. Matthew chapter 19. We read about this rich man 
who apparently was extremely wealthy. He was probably like all of us, Americans. You know, we got so much in America. We are very wealthy compared to the vast majority of the rest of the world. But Jesus said, he comes and he says, what, what, what one thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, how about the commandments? Have you kept them? He lists out a few of them. He doesn't list all of them. And he said, yeah, from my youth, I've kept all these commandments. And then Jesus said, all right, one more thing I want you to do, man. How about you uh, go sell everything you have and come and follow me? The Bible says that man turned around and went away sorrowful because he had great and many possessions. In John chapter 6, verse 66, very interesting, 666, it says that in that verse, that many of those disciples, the ones who followed Jesus, turned around and never followed him again. Have you lost your passion for the things of God? I wrote down fourthly. When you've lost your compassion for the lost, you need revival. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Jesus died on the cross to fulfill the Old Testament laws and the prophets and the predictions and to give us eternal life. I've accepted that gift, many of you have, and we would be crazy to hold that gift in and keep it to ourselves. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 says, He that wins souls is wise. Are you sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ? Listen, if you can't remember the last time you actually told somebody about Jesus, something's not right. Because listen, life is not about getting a seven-figure job and living in a $5.5 million home. That's not what life's all about. A life's not about getting the latest and greatest, flashy, most high-end car or automobile. Life is about Jesus and living a sold-out life for Him. And, and, and taking the message found in God's Word and sharing with others. You see, the, the problem is, is I'm afraid that the vast majority of church members and church attendees aren't even saved because if they were saved, they would take God's Word and share it with somebody else. So maybe... Maybe the reason why you've lost your compassion for souls is because maybe you never were saved to begin with. Mark chapter 6 talks about Jesus. When he looked out to the multitudes, he had compassion on them because he, he saw people who did not have a shepherd. You know, in a sense, I'm the under-shepherd of this church. But we all know that Jesus is the bishop and shepherd of our souls. And he's the one who we look to, not me or any other person. Jesus is the one who guides us in our life. Jesus is the one who gives us eternal life. Jesus is the one who can change our lives. Acts chapter 1.8 says, After the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were witnesses. It doesn't say they went off to Crown College or Liberty University to get a seminary education. The Bible says that instantly when they came to know Christ as Savior, they were witnesses. Are you a witness? You know what a witness means? It means to bear record. Are you bearing the record of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? About how he changed your life and saved your soul. That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about, lady. My brother, my sister. Here's number five. This one's tough. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. This is hard for, for all of us to say. 
But here's what I wrote down. When you love sin more than you love Jesus, you need revival. First Corinthians chapter 10. Paul looks back into the Old Testament, which he often did in his letters. And he looks back of, of some of the different examples of how the Israelites sinned against God. And there was a time when, when even our man David, right here in Psalm 51, he, was, he, 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 he loved God more than he loved his sin. But in this situation, he gave in to the flesh, he gave in to the temptation, and he expressed his love over sin than of God. And Nathan the prophet comes in and he gives him this illustration how, how there was a, a, a couple men there and, and the one man stole the other man's lamb to give to the one that was passing through. And David said he, he was very mad in chapter 12 of the book of 2 Samuel. And, and then the prophet Nathan said, hey, you are that man. And then David, he said, I have sinned. I'm telling you, when we love our sin more than we love Jesus Christ, we need revival. Maybe that's why the modern church doesn't talk about sin anymore. Maybe that's why the vast majority of sermons you hear on TV and all over the world is more motivational and inspirational because the ones proclaiming that motivational and inspirational message are living lies slayed by sin. I'm not saying I'm perfect today. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. God knows I'm a sinner just like everybody else. But whenever we're teaching and preaching God's Word, we have to practice what we preach. So I wonder, do we love our sin more than we love Jesus? Here's what I wrote down in the sixth one. When you're living a double-agent life, you need revival. I was probably in seventh grade. I was sitting in the youth group at Boonsville Baptist Church, and a guy by the name of Brother John Oberdick was teaching us that day. And it was teaching, it's the, only, the only message or thing that I ever remember him talking about, by the way, too one of the former youth pastors before Brother Dave. And he talked about a double agent life, about how you act this way in this setting and you act another way in this setting. It'd be like this. If I walked into Chick-fil-A, I'd act like a chicken. And if I walked into Outback, I'd act like a cow <laughs> or a kangaroo, <laughs> you know? Or if I walk into the Mercedes-Benz dealership, I, I look like a Mercedes customer. Or if I walk into the Ford dealership, I look like a Ford customer. All right? I'm afraid some people know how to talk the talk and know how to dress the part and know how to say the right things and know how to do the right things at the right moments. But they're not actually a children of God. What did James say? James said in chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. I like what Brother Felix said last week in, 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 at Friendship. He talked about, he referenced Revelation 3 about how, how we have to either be hot or cold. There is no lukewarmness when it comes to Jesus. So he, here, here it is. Here it is. 
It's either all or nothing when it comes to your walk with Jesus Christ. It's all or nothing. That's why when Jesus, he said, sell everything you got and come and follow me. Are you willing to do that? Don't say you ha- I'm not saying you have to. But if you're not willing to dedicate every area of your life to Jesus, then perhaps you're living a double agent life. One more for you. When you care more about what others think of you than what God thinks of you, you need revival. When you care more about what others think of you than what God thinks of you, you need revival. At the end of the day, David knew that what he did was sin, but he did it anyway. And then God sends a messenger, the prophet Nathan, into his life to reveal to him what he did was sin. I believe the messenger God sends to us is the Holy Spirit and His Word these days. And in His Word and by His Spirit, we are convicted of our sin. And, and at the end of our lives, when we, at, when we cross into eternity and we stand before Jesus Christ, we should be striving this life to hear these two words, Well done. If you're not seeking to hear any other words, then you need revival. Listen, for the longest time, I really did care what everybody thought about me. For the longest time, even as a Christian, even as a pastor. For the longest time, I cared what everybody was saying about my sermons. I really did. Now, I, I would be glad for you to write your thoughts down, and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll put them right in here, okay? <laughs> because I really don't care what anybody thinks about me these days. I care about what one person thinks, and that is Jesus Christ. Because one day, I'm going to stand before him and give an account for everything that I've thought, everything that I've said, everything that I've done, and so are you. And that's why we have to strive every day to live in a way that says if we died that moment, we could say, God could look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid in a crowd this size, there might be somebody here when, if you died right now, God may not say that. Remember, revival is seeking to please God in everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do. I close with Psalm 51 and verse 10. In fact, would you read it with me? Let's read it out loud together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. 
Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.